Hello, and welcome to the Sonic Cinema Podcast. My name is Brian Scuttle, and thank you for joining us at www.sonic-cinema.com. For the past seven years, I've attended the uh, Dragon Con uh, genre convention in downtown Atlanta. It has uh, many tracks of sci-fi, fantasy, horror, uh, film, TV, literary, uh, basically any type of genre um, activity you could think of, there is something for you at Dragon Con. It always takes place on Labor Day weekend, and uh, this year it was celebrating its 30th anniversary, and this was my eighth year going, and I felt for this podcast, I've been... Uh, for the past seven years, I've been uh, blogging about it on Sonic Cinema, but this year I decided to do a podcast partially because of the fact that I'd be able to do it relatively quickly, th quicker than I have uh, the blogs, because the blogs usually do not get done until, say, December, or in the case of the 2014 Dragon Con, uh, mid-August. But... I, so I wanted to do that, and I basically wanted to just uh, talk about my experience going to Dragon Con this year, what it's meant to me, uh, and why I continue going every year. Uh, like I said, this is my eighth year. This is the 30th year that uh, Dragon Con has gone on, and it's really expanded just in the eight years that I've been going there. I used to be four hotels, um, house everything. Now it's five hotels and two uh, <coughs> two um, office building uh, convention buildings uh, within downtown Atlanta. Uh, the same four hotel, the four main hotels are the Marriott Marquis, the Hyatt Regency, and the Hilton, all of which you can basically go from one to the other to the other through uh, sky bridges. And then the Sheridan, which is another block down, which is usually where registration takes place. And then in 2010, they added the Westin, uh, which I had to go to for a few years, mainly because of uh, Whedon, the Whedonverse track for uh, Joss Whedon fans of Buffy the Vampire Slayer, Angel, uh, Firefly, Dollhouse, what have you. Um, things, uh, things have changed a lot in the past eight years, and I've been, uh, and my experiences going to Dragon Con has changed as well. Uh, it's something that I, the second I went that first year in 2009, I basically said I'm going to go every year, uh, basically for the rest of my life. Although I, I uh, have not gotten up the money yet to do the Eternal Pass uh, lifetime membership. I probably should at some point, but we'll see what happens. Uh, it's it's fascinating to walk, see how the convention brings out brings brings people out and just what they take out of it. Um, I know for me personally that first. That first Friday that I went in 2009, it was just, it was very uh, unwieldy. 
and uh, but it was a lot of fun too because there are so many different things to do, so many different people to see that it really, it really was just unlike anything I had ever been to. I had heard of Comic Con at the point, this point, and I had heard of Dragon Con, but I had never experienced it myself, and it was a revelation for me as a geek and to be able to go up and meet some of these people and say hi and just talk to them was one of my absolute favorite things that I've ever done. Uh, this, this year, um, the past few years, my uh, mother and I, who've been going pretty regularly for the past eight years, uh, she did miss one year because she was having a big issues with her knees. That was 2011, which was the 25th anniversary. Uh, and I basically spent most of that weekend by myself. Uh, one of the things that is interesting is that you never really, for me personally, you never really have the same experience twice. There's so much to do. There's so many different tracks. There's so many different people that show up. You really the first thing to realize is you're not going to be able to get everything in that you want to get in. Uh, if you try to plan every minute by the T, I guarantee you, you will miss something that you want to see. That's just the way of it. Um, so basically, my biggest advice for people who have never been or you know, people who are still finding their way around the con would be to, you know, start small. Focus on, look at the guest list, see who's on that guest list, and see, you know, who are your top priorities? Who are the people you absolutely have to see over that this four days from Friday through Labor Day? Just figure out who those people are, and then tailor your schedule in a way that allows you to see as many of them as possible. And except that you'll probably miss a couple. Uh, <laughs> that's happened with me over the years. This year, I actually did really well. I pretty much saw most of the people that I wanted to see. Uh, there were a couple of exceptions. I didn't really get a chance to interact with or see in a panel or what have you, or at the Walk of Fame. Uh, Brett Dalton, who played uh, Ward on Marvel's Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. Uh, I, you know, I usually had something else going on when I was, when one of his panels were going on, and I never really come at the Walk of Fame. He wasn't really one of my priorities at the Walk of Fame this year. Uh, I had other ones, which I'll talk about later. So I think he's probably the biggest uh, person that I missed, that I had one to see. So, um, so yeah, the big thing is don't overplan, don't give yourself time to breathe, and figure out who your priorities and what your priorities are at DragonCon. Are you going to just have a good time? I mean, there's more than enough to do that, especially if you're a night person. There's plenty to do at night. Uh, if you're going to panels, there's plenty for you to choose from. 
if you're just going to meet the uh, celebrities and the guests who come, there's more than enough for that too. Uh, if you're looking for a combination of things, you can definitely mix and match to uh, sort of figure out what you want to do more than anything else. Uh, and this year was definitely a little bit of everything for me. Uh, didn't really spend too much time at night, uh, which is a shame because I tend to, I had a tendency, some of my friends who go, I have a tendency to spend time out at night and partying and stuff like that. That's just not really me. And uh, usually by the end of the day, I'm pretty exhausted. So, <clears throat> the one of the funny things that's happened is basically, even though the, the con officially officially starts on Friday, it seems to, you know, start a, for people, for a lot of people, it tends to start a day or two before that. Uh, last, you know, a couple of years ago, you would notice that more and more people were hanging around on Thursday after they uh, get their badges and they would hang around the hotel and party and you'd see things up on the schedule. It's like, wow, they're actually planning for people to be here on uh, Thursday, that's interesting. And then, you know, a couple of years ago, Thursday wasn't enough, it had to be Wednesday. So it's like, I've never, I don't know that I will ever go that far for Wednesday. I, Friday through or Friday through Monday with the uh, sort of unofficial start of my con on Thursday seems to work out well. My uh, for the past few years, my mother and I have been getting hotel rooms uh, downtown. Uh, the first year, which was the year my wife Meredith uh, first joined me, uh, we stayed at the W in Midtown and. There were a lot of issues with that year, uh, not the least of which is I decided to make the bonehead decision of, oh, hey, we'll just take MARTA down as opposed to paying the uh, surged uh, prices at the parking lots. Uh, I will never do that again because I need some place to put stuff. If I'm carrying things with me, I need some place to put it. Uh, so that will never be happening again. I will gladly pay 30 or grudgingly $40 for parking, as was the case this year. Uh, not that I'm happy about it. So, but the past few years, we've actually been staying at the Hilton Garden Inn, uh, which is across the street from the Georgia Aquarium and a few blocks away from the con. And it's been a wonderful place for us for the past few years. We've really enjoyed our stays there. It's just someplace, it's close enough to where you can sort of feel the excitement of the con and people with the con and people, you know, you, but it's far enough away to where it's like, okay, I can just relax when I need to. So the past few years, we've been staying at uh, the Hilton Garden Inn. In each of those years, what used to happen with my schedule is I would basically work the full week, my full five days 
for four days with three days off, whatever, and I would tend to work uh, Thursday night. So a couple of years, 2011, I think, to 2013, I would go get my badge in the morning and then come back, work um, that night, and then Friday, basically, I was ready to go, Dragon Con. I didn't have to worry about my badge. I would go and just start the con. Uh, when we first started to stay at the Hilton Garden Inn, I had the idea of, okay, so here's what I'm going to do now. So I want to use one of my day, natural days off on Thursday, which is easier because of the fact that all of the projection is digital, so I don't have to worry about print breakdown or anything like that. So have my regular day off Thursday, and then Friday, Saturday, and Sunday will basically be using vacation days for me. And then Monday and Tuesday would be my natural days off that week because our work week is from Friday to Thursday, and then I would work Wednesday to Thursday. Um, I work at a movie theater, by the way. I'm not going to say which one. Uh, but I've been working there for almost 15 years now, and it's uh, it's given me a lot of leeway. It gives me a lot of leeway, and that's one of the things I love about it, other than the uh, free movies. So this, so basically, what I originally did was basically Friday through Thursday. After my first year, when I got really sick at the con and ended up going back on portable oxygen, which is a whole different story that won't go be gone into at this uh, podcast right now. But basically, what after that, I decided, okay, the week of Dragon Con, I just need to take off. So like Friday through Thursday, and would use like five vacation days. Well, the this year, in 2014, I decided, okay, I don't really need three days to recover from Dragon Con. I just really need one, or one and a half, because, you know, be off Labor Day. And Dragon Con's only like half a day, technically half a day on Monday. So, <coughs> sorry, I got a little bit of con crud this year. So basically, what I would do is I would take Thursday off, Friday, Saturday, and Sunday would be vacation days, and then Monday and Tuesday would be my regular day off, and I'd work Wednesday and Thursday. This works out really well, because I'm using less vacation days, which gives me more options later in the year, and it's something that, it's, it's really helped me maximize my con potential because uh, because of the fact that we started to get hotels, I would go, we would go, we would get our membership badges, and then we just check into the hotel and then just relax. Or the first year we did this at the Hilton Garden, and I basically went back later in the evening, see what was going on, see people just hang out, just get the atmosphere in. Because people are already partying on Thursday. So <laughs> that's been the so that's been the routine the past few years. And I really, really love it. It's been one of my favorite 
best decisions I think I've ever made when it comes to Dragon Con. So that brings us to Friday, and the first panels tend to start at 10 a.m. So usually I'm a very early riser, so I have no problem getting to a 10 a.m. show, 10 a.m. panel, and much less getting down there with enough time to get in line. So <coughs> this year, uh, the first panel I decided to take in was a 10 a.m. panel. It was in the, where was it? The Marriott, I believe. Yes, it was the Marriott, actually. And it was a Rift Tracks panel. Uh, Rift Tracks is one of the offshoots of Mystery Science Theater 3000 with Michael J. Nelson, Bill Corbett, and uh, Kevin Murphy. Uh, Bill Corbett, as well as one of the web designers for Rift Tracks, were there this year. I've seen Bill there many times, and he's always entertaining, and uh, this year was no exception. Uh, they talked about 10 years at Rift Tracks. They talked about the new app uh, that syncs the riffs with the movies, which is really exciting, and uh, then took questions with the audience. And that's the basic pattern with a lot of the panels at uh, Dragon Con, regardless of what you're talking about. Sometimes we'll just get to the questions earlier. Sometimes not so much. So <clears throat> that's basically, so the first one was Rift Tracks and it's always fun and they just had a show a couple weeks ago, a live show for Mothra, which was really entertaining. I don't know that I'd ever seen the original Mothra. So seeing it uh, riff for the first time was definitely an experience. Uh, I did get a chance to ask uh, Bill a question. I wanted to know if they were ever going to grace us with a uh, Just the Jokes riff of Batman versus Superman Dawn of Justice, uh, to which the answer was a basically a groan uh, with, that's so long. And to be fair, he's not wrong. And... Uh, he then asked for people to try to defend it. This one kid wanted to, but we just basically moved on. But that was a lot of fun. And he was one of the people, I always enjoy seeing the riff tracks and Mystery Science Theater people. I, it's one of my favorite, uh, or some of my favorite people. And they're a lot of the, Mystery Science Theater is interesting because of the fact that for me, it's something that really, took my movie watching to another level, which is really, which sounds weird because they basically are making fun of it, but they also point out things that you don't really see. And that's one of the beauties of Mystery Science Theater, of Cinemax Titanic, of Rift Tracks. They, they take these movies, whether it's something bomb of the barrel like Manos or Santa Claus Conquers the Martians, or something that is a big blockbuster like Transformers or the Avengers, and they point out things that you probably wouldn't necessarily look at in the movie. And it's just something that really has forced me to really take a hard look uh, at things from a cinematic standpoint and it's really a lot of fun to watch as well. So uh, that was my first 
uh, panel of the con was Rift Tracks, and it was really entertaining, as Bill is always. I think he actually started my con a few... 2010, I think. Uh, and that was really cool as well. Um, <clears throat> so the next thing I did, I didn't really, there wasn't really a panel that I wanted to do or a specific panel that I wanted to do after that. So basically what I did was I hit the Walk of Fame, which is basically where all the guests that people know from different TV shows and movies and what have you are uh, there, sign autographs, maybe take a picture. Um, that's basically what you do at the Walk of Fame. And uh, it's, it's one of the things that's sort of drawn me to con. It's something that's driven, drawn uh, my mother to con. Uh, not, so, not so much with Ron or Meredith when they've gone, but it's, it's something that people are interested in doing. And I get the appeal of it. I, I wouldn't necessarily meet these people otherwise, uh, which, and so for me, it's really an entertaining experience. It's really something that I enjoy doing. So <clears throat> I went to the Walk of Fame and see, trying to figure out all of the people I went to first on first day. I know one of, the first person I really went to was um, Charlie Cox, who plays uh, Matt Murdock slash Daredevil on the Marvel uh, Netflix series. Unfortunately, I still haven't watched season two, but season one was fantastic. I loved it. I'm like, yeah, I don't know if I would necessarily get to any of his panels. So, you know, while I'm waiting for some of these other people maybe show up, I'll go check him out as well. It was about an hour wait, uh, which wasn't really surprising because it had been his first time to con, uh, but it was, it was worth it. I enjoyed uh, getting to meet him, and, uh, you know, it was, it's, it's fun to watch these people interact with some of the other uh, people who are doing the same thing I'm doing, and the person in front of me, I uh, have a friend who couldn't make the con because they had ended up in the hospital, and he was telling Charlie Cox this, and Charlie Cox actually, you know, signed a picture for this guy uh, for his friend. And it was like, it was real, that type of thing is really cool to, to see that these people on a more human level than you necessarily think of them when you see them in uh, TV interviews or DVD extras or something like that. So I think he was the first person I saw on the Walk of Fame. The second person I think I saw was Eliza Dushku from Buffy the Vampire Slayer. She played Faith, uh, Dollhouse, Jay and Silent Bob Strike Back, uh, Bring It On, as well as uh, she was Arnold Schwarzenegger and Jamie Lee Curtis's daughter in True Lies uh, back in the day. So, but Buffy is the main reason I am a fan of Eliza's. I, and I've seen her at panels, and I met her a few years ago, and uh, she was nice enough and stuff like that. So this year, I had already gotten her autograph for myself a few years ago. This year, I was getting an autograph for uh, my wife, Meredith, 
because of the fact that I wanted to get a photo op with Eliza, which I rarely do as far as the professional photo ops. I rarely do. Uh, last year, I think, with uh, the 2001 actors was the first year I'd done it. And uh, I was interested in doing that with Eliza this year. So I, I asked Meredith if she would be okay with it. And she said, yes, but you have to get her autograph for me. So it's like, okay, I guess so. Um, <laughs> basically with that level of sarcasm as well. And uh, so I got into her line and, you know, told her who the autograph was for, had her autograph. Uh, Meredith has the uh, Seasons of True Calling show that Eliza was on and produced and developed. And uh, she wanted me to get one of the uh, disc sleeves uh, signed for her. So I did that. I told her, hey, it's for my wife. You know, I'm, we're both big fans of yours, Buffy, True Calling, Dollhouse, all that. And uh, she fist bumped me, which she was fist bumping everybody, to be fair. Uh, she's just very cool. She's very sweet. She's really an entertaining person. She's very down to earth, it feels like. Uh, so that was my next uh, Walk of Fame experience. Was there, feels like there was somebody else. Oh, yes, and uh, in addition to Bill Corbett, at the Walk of Fame, I uh, went to see two more Mystery Science Theater alum, uh, Frank Conniff, who was Stevie's Frank, and Trace Beaulieu, who was Dr. Forster and uh, the original voice of Crow. Been big fans of them. I think I've met them like two or three times over the years at Dragon Con. It's always really entertaining to... Uh, see those guys, to hear those guys talk. And uh, I went up to their, I went up to their table, uh, said hi, got a, got a copy of Frank's new book, uh, which I really wanted to. And I told him over Facebook, it's like, I'm coming to Dragon Con, and I'm going to get your book. Uh, and Trace actually had DVDs of one of the live, DVDs of Cinemac Titanic, and I got that I hadn't had, so I got that, and he had he signed it nice enough, and then I got a picture with them at the table. It's one of the things I like about the walk. Sometimes people do uh, photos at the table, which I actually think I enjoy a lot more in the uh, photo professional photo ops. It's one of the reasons I haven't really done photo ops with people over the year, professional ops with people over the years. I believe those were the only three that really hit the, uh, at the Walk of Fame at that point. Uh, and let's see, how long did, I don't think I did too much. I'm trying to think of what else I did between, uh, because the Rift Tracks ended at 11, and then my next thing on here, uh, which was another, uh, which was another uh, guest signing, uh, this time for Alan Tudyk, especially for his new web series, Con Men. Uh, this was his first time he had been at Dragon Con, so I really wanted to make sure I met him, got his autograph and all that, and I was able to 
in the uh, short amount of time, but I'm trying to remember what I did before that. There weren't any panels that I did, so I can't remember. I think there was... It was a lot of time spent at the Walk of Fame, I know that. And I think a lot of what I did after that was just walking around, charging my phone, and then I got in line for Alan Tudyk. Uh, which, the the line at, the lines at Dragon Con are a special level of hell, comparable to the level of hell Ron uh, Shepard book describes in Firefly. I probably not quite that bad for some people, but yeah, it's pretty bad. But it's a lot of fun, especially if you really get into interacting with some of the other people in line. It's like, hey, I'm here for an hour. I'm going to talk to people. It's, it's one of those fun things where you never know who you're going to meet or who you're, what you're going to find out in those, uh, in, in those uh, lines. <coughs> So I got in line for Alan, and uh, he was fun. He was, he was a lot of fun, and uh, he was really entertaining. I can't wait to see him in Rogue One, which I mentioned. And he seemed to sort of really light up, because uh, I'm wondering how many people really talked to him about that, because so, so many people, I mean, most people there were there for him as Walk from Firefly. Uh, I mentioned Dodgeball, I mentioned iRobot, and I had to mention Rogue One because I'd remembered earlier in the year, earlier in the day that he was in it. So I had to mention that. Um, <clears throat> so that was really nice. And then I went, went back to my truck for a little bit, and then I uh, charged up my phone for a little bit, and then I walked up to the Westin for a panel discussion on the horror track, which is something I don't really take in a whole lot, but it, it, this one piqued me, my interest. Uh, it was The Shining versus The Shining. It was the Stephen King book versus the Stanley Kubrick movie. Uh, if you've been reading uh, Sonic Cinema for any amount of time, you know that I absolutely love The Shining. It is my favorite horror movie of all time. And it's something that's really had an effect on me as an artist. And I'm going to have a uh, blog I'm going to post. I wrote, about, I wrote last year, uh, but I'm going to post it this year. That's basically talking more about some of my thoughts on The Shining and the Kubrick movie. And <clears throat> the panel was really interesting. It was really, all of the panelists had seen both the movie and read the book, and it was really interesting to hear their takes on the compare and contrast. I interjected a few things into discussion with regards to Shelley Duvall's performance and with regards to the music, the use of music in the movie. And it was really just an entertaining discussion because it's one of those things that I know people, friends of mine, who absolutely detest the Kubrick film, but love the book. I'm somebody who, I haven't really read the book, but I love the Kubrick film. And one of the things I love about the Kubrick film is that it is definitively a Kubrick film. Uh, that's, that's one of the charms of the film, I think. So that was 
Let's see. That was basically my. Uh, that was basically my uh, Friday. I did try to go to the Hyatt to do a film festival block, which I try to do a couple of those every year. I start actually that 25th anniversary year in 2011 when my mom didn't go, and I tried to go to at least one or two of those every year since, and it's really been an entertaining experience. It's really been an interesting experience as somebody who's watched a lot of shorts, watched a lot of these small independent films compared to the big studios, and it's interesting to see how people on low budgets really do. And you see, I saw, I see all sorts of genres I don't expect to see normally. Unfortunately, the panel, the uh, film festival block had uh, capped off uh, before I got there, so I ended up just going home, back to the hotel, so, and for the rest of the day. So that was the end of my day one. Um, Day two, uh, Saturday, is by far the busiest day. That is when the Dragon Con parade happens, and that is when uh, college football season starts. So you have a lot of people down there for football, and uh, that's also at night. Uh, Dragon Con does something at the Georgia Aquarium called Night at the Aquarium, and they have a costume contest and all of that stuff. I uh, I didn't I haven't gone to that yet partially and I didn't go this year partially because that's the type of thing I really want to do with Meredith and hopefully next year we'll get to do that because I right now she is planning on going so uh, that that would probably be a fun thing for us to do and uh, actually a quick side note as far as going backtracking to Friday a bit. After the film festival block, I was texting with some of my friends who are newer down there, and one of them actually happened to be at on the same level of the Hyatt that I was for the film festival block that I didn't get into. So I met up with them and hung around with them for a little bit, had something to eat, and after that I basically retired because I was tired. So <laughs> Saturday morning, I one of the key things if you're driving in get down there before the parade starts because you will see there are roads that are going to be blocked off. If you don't get down there before, you might as well just wait until after. So, yes, so this year on Saturday, I got down there uh, before the parade happened, as I try to do, and uh, which was great, and I went to my first panel, it's a 10 a.m. panel. I've never actually, I've never actually watched the parade. I accidentally, I it, sort of inadvertently watched some of it one year uh, when Ron and I were waiting outside the Marriott for a Star Wars panel. But I've never really consciously made the decision to sit and watch, uh, watch the parade. So one of those, one of these years I'll probably do that. Uh, I don't know about next year, maybe the next year, what have you. But so this year I went to a panel at 10 a.m. It was something that piqued my interest when I saw it on the schedule. And as a composer, as somebody who writes electronic music, it really piqued my interest. 
It was 50 years of music synthesis. It's actually on the science track. Uh, and it's basically a, an overview of the history of electronic music and also in the context of electronic music with regards to film music. And the, the panelist for the panel was Aaron Lanterman, who's a professor at uh, Georgia Tech. And he happened to have a couple of analog synthesizers with him uh, as demonstrations. And as somebody who's an electronic musician who loves electronic music, who loves creating new, new sounding material, this really just skyrocketed to one of the be best panels, one of my favorite panels I think I've ever done at DragonCon. I will tell you. And uh, I, you know, I'd heard, I'd taken an electronic music course in college. I'd written a piece, paper about a uh, history of electronic film, music and film. So I was already familiar with some of uh, what he was talking about. But it'd been a while. It's been about, I think, 16 years since I'd taken that course. So this was very, it, it was a good refresher. And as a more experienced composer, somebody who's more familiar with this, it was really exciting to see him de work with these analog synthesizers and to demonstrate them and to talk about how they work. And it was so much fun. I so glad I was able to do this. And afterwards, after the panel was done, uh, we set them up in one of the overflow rooms, which took about 30, 40 minutes to get unlocked. And he allowed us to mess around, to mess around with them and make music with them. And I videotaped it it's on my Facebook page. I posted it to my Instagram, which is Brian Scuttle. Uh, and it's just really, it was so much fun doing that. It was probably one of the best panels I've ever been a part of. And it's probably my favorite. And it, it, it just hit on so many levels of geekdom for me. It was just such a fun experience. Uh, so after that demonstration, after uh, the after part of that panel, I went back over to Walk of Fame because there were different people who were coming, just coming in on Saturday uh, or Saturday and Sunday, Monday, what have you. There were people who hadn't been there on Friday that I wanted to see. Uh, one of the people I wanted to, do, wanted to get an autograph from is uh, Tom Meisen, who plays Ichabod Crane on Fox's Sleepy Hollow show, which my, which Meredith is a big fan of, and I wanted to surprise her with an autograph of, from for her, from him. So that was that was fun to be able to talk to him to say, hey, you know, my wife's a big fan of the show, really enjoy it. We went to one of the panels last year for Sleepy Hollow, it was a lot of fun, and uh, he was really nice to talk to. Um, <clears throat> so the next, one of the next people I went to go see, uh, was somebody who was interesting for me for a couple of reasons. Uh, 
But ended up is actually somebody who's interesting for my wife for another reason. Uh, her act the actress's name is Jodell Fairlane. Uh, she's been on she's been in Silent Hill. She was in she was one of the zombies in Cabin in the Woods. She was also in the Twilight series, which it, my wife is a fan of. For me, though, the reason I wanted to meet her was because she was one. She was the star of Terry Gilliam's most one, well, arguably Terry Gilliam's most decisive, uh, divisive movies. Uh, is 2006 drama Thailand. Most people hate it, including his fans. I personally loved it. I thought she was fantastic in the lead role. I thought it was risky. I thought it was daring. It's something that I will never forget that experience. It's something that it is just unlike anything Terry Gilliam had gotten a chance, had ever made before. And it's something that really resonated with me on a personal level. So I wanted to meet her for that. And uh, so I went to her table. I actually ended up getting uh, autographed for myself with one of her pictures of Cabin in the Woods. She didn't have Tideland, unfortunately. Uh, so I got Cabin in the Woods, Whedon fan. And uh, I got an autograph for my wife for Twilight. And I got my picture taken with her, which was really nice. She was really sweet. Uh, apparently, very few people mentioned Thailand for her. Uh, probably because most people didn't see it, but and a lot of people who saw it didn't really like it. I personally really love it. So um, I, I, I was really uh, happy I was able to do that. So after, after her, I walked around for a little bit more, and uh, I got to meet uh, Brian Hemming, Henning, who is one of the puppeteers of BB-8 in The Force Awakens. And <clears throat> it was really a lot of fun to meet him. And I have another experience. I, later in the day, I went to a panel of his and, uh, his and one of his uh, crewmates, uh, Dave Chapman, were both here. Brian Herring, excuse me. Uh, they were two of the puppeteers who brought BB-8 to life. And uh, it was so cool getting to meet him. And it's like, and especially later when I went to a panel, it was even more fun to hear about it. So after those three, I got into line for Summer Glau from Fireflies. She played River on Fireflies, most people know, uh, and a true Whedon person will know. Uh, I was in line for her with a lot of other people for, I don't know, about 30, 40 minutes or so, when unfortunately they had to cap the line because she had a panel to go to. So, but the volunteers there gave me a number, say, you know, present this number and you'll be moved to the front of the line later. She'll be back at 3.30. So it's like, okay. So I, uh, so I took the number and that's basically all I did at that, at that session at the Walk of Fame because I then decided to go and get in line <coughs> for a 2.30 panel of uh, Buffy and Angel guests uh, this year. It was at the Sheridan, which is a welcome surprise because the lineup and the 
just the logistics of dealing with the Weston is such a pain in the ass. I'm, the Sheridan is so much easier. So I was really glad that that happened, that change happened. And uh, it was Eliza Dushku, it was James Leary who played uh, Clem in the sixth and seventh seasons. And it was James Marsters who played Spike and is a fan favorite of everybody. They, those three were absolutely hilarious. I think I've seen all three of them on panels now multiple times. I think James Leary is the only one I had seen once, but I had, but all three of those guys are a lot of fun, and it was such a fun panel. It was such an enjoyable panel. Uh, and then, um, so my mom and I were able to get to that one, and I think that was really her own, one of her only panels on that day. I think she did an earlier one, but I can't remember. But, uh, yeah, so uh, we did that panel. And then after that, I decided, so I had a kind of whirlwind uh, schedule planned. I wanted to still get Summer Glau's autograph. So first thing I do is I hightail back to the Marriott to Walk of Fame, show my number. I actually got, was one of the first people in Ended up being one of the first people to get her autograph. Got a picture with her, which I didn't expect to happen at the table, but I'm glad it did. And then I had that was at three. That ended at three fifty-eight, which the next panel I had was the puppeteering of BB-8s with Brian and Dave Chapman, Brian Herring and Dave Chapman at the Hilton. So I went over the. Uh, Skybridge to the Hilton and got to where basically the line was going into the uh, puppeteering uh, panel and they were a few minutes late getting started which was perfect for me because I was able to actually see the entire thing and it worked out well for me because of the fact that from four to five I got to hear about the way they brought BB-8 to life and rather than ruined the film for me, which a lot of that behind-the-scenes stuff tends to do, it gives me so much more respect for what J.J. Abrams and the crew did because they really wanted to make that organic and they really wanted to make BB-8 be alive in a way that digital effects just wouldn't have worked and he was adamant about it and he was so relieved when they figured out how to do it it was so much fun to hear them talk about it. They showed some behind-the-scenes footage that hadn't been shown outside of cons, and it was fantastic. It was such a good time. I'm so glad I got to go to that panel. Um, I started to leave a little bit early, though, with the last couple of questions, but I did get a chance to hear those as I was hanging out. Uh, and the reason I he head out quickly was because of the fact that I was next having a 510 at the 510 photo op shoot for Eliza Dushku. <coughs> Excuse me, I think I have what's known as con crud. Yippee! So I go back through over the Skybridge, go 
down to the bomb floor, hightail it to the line where Eliza is at, Dushku photo op goes in. It was a new company doing the photo ops, and I'd heard very good things about it. So it basically took two minutes, but it was a lot of fun. It ended up being a really good picture of us, and I wore a Buffy shirt because of course I did. Uh, why wouldn't you? <laughs> Even better would have been if my friend Ron were there and we had done Jane, Silent Bob. Hint, hint, Ron, because I know you're going to listen to this. Uh, something to keep in mind uh, next time Elijah's at Dragon Con. And uh, that was a lot of fun. So, and it took like two to three minutes for between the photo shoot to get the picture, then to get the digital print, which I promptly shared with Meredith and shared with Ron, and they both really loved it. So after that, I uh, relaxed a little bit in the parking garage in the parking lot. And then decided I need something to eat. And one of the places I tend to go is the Hard Rock Cafe, which is basically across the street from the West End. And it was, I think it was about a 20 to 30 minute wait. I don't think it was more than 30. Uh, it was just me. I hate going there without anybody. But it was nice, and it's always good food. I love the atmosphere. I love the music. And... Uh, it's it's really something special, and I got a couple uh, T-shirts there that I didn't have, and so that and before so, but before I went to uh, the Hard Rock, I ended up going to the dealer rooms at uh, the America's Mart Building Two, and uh, which is where they've been for. Uh, now two years, and I love, it's still very busy, but I still love that layout, it's best layout that they've had for for, uh, for the dealer rooms. I uh, was mainly on a mission to buy the Pop Funko characters, uh, specifically ones for uh, Game of Thrones and Star Trek, which are Marin Mind's kind of obsessions as far as the funk pop characters. And I was able to find some. Uh, went back Saturday and Sunday and found a few more. So, uh, unfortunately for Meredith, I can find uh, Outlander Pops because uh, I know that was one of the ones I definitely wanted to look for. But nobody carried them because they didn't expect that they would be popular. And I think they probably, and from what I heard, they probably know better for next year. Although, hopefully, we will have all of those by that time. So, after the Hard Rock, uh, there are some other stuff I could have done that night. I could have tried to hang out with some friends and stuff like that. But after eating at the Hard Rock, I was stuffed. So, it's like, I have to go back to the hotel because I'm exhausted. So, I went back to the hotel and uh, time to get another night's sleep. Uh, so that brings us to Sunday, and Sunday was, it was kind of interesting because I get there, I got there later than I usually do, mainly because there wasn't really anything at 10 a.m. for me to do, 
There really wasn't anything that piqued my interest at 10 a.m., which is really surprising. There's usually at least one thing. But it was good because I got to get in line early for the Firefly panel at 11.30, which had Anne Baldwin, had Summer Glau, and who got here for Sunday and Monday, Sean Marr, who played Simon. And that line got really packed, even at the... Uh, handicapped disability area where uh, we were because of the fact that my mother has bad knees and I'm a, uh, I'm her uh, minion, so to speak, in that respect, and some would say in others, not unjustly. Uh, <laughs> anyway, but, uh, I mean, I've got asthma, so uh, that, you know, it would, it, Makes it feel a little less guilty to do that, but uh, nonetheless, we were able to get in, and that was always fun. I had seen all three of those guys on uh, all three of those people on panels before, and it's always fun to hear hear them talk about Firefly. And one of my favorite things I think was Ab Baldwin. Uh, somebody suggested like, what type of what would sort of be your dream project, and it was just the idea of Mark. Uh, Meryl Streep basically playing a serial killer came up, and it's got me thinking, it's like, yeah, I want to see that now. I really want to see Meryl Streep play a serial killer. Take her out of her wheelhouse, you know, so she can get that fourth Oscar. So after that, my mother and I split off. Uh, she went back to the Walk of Fame. She was trying to, she was, and she was going to go to a couple panels on uh, over at the Sheridan, she was going to go to a panel with uh, Joanne Anderson from the X Files, and then she eventually, and then later she went to a uh, panel with Brett Dalton from Agents of Shield, uh, which she raved about. She thought it was fantastic. Me, I most of my uh, Walk of Fame was basically done Friday and Saturday. So uh, there really wasn't anything else for me to do over there. So I went and I hung around some of the hotels for a little bit and uh, met, met up with a friend who I knew was going to be down here. Just happened to meet uh, Happenstance, which was nice, which is always nice. And we talked for a little bit and we had to go our separate ways. I, and I went back to the vendors and uh, got some more stuff, found some more pop, uh, got better lay of the land of some of the specific things I wanted to look for and maybe get for Meredith and I, uh, but still didn't see a lot of the things I was looking for. So around 2.30, 2, 2.30 or so, I took all that stuff back to the... Uh, truck, and I didn't actually, because of the fact that I didn't go to a Walk of Fame, I didn't really need my brown coats bag, which I, shoulder bag, which I usually uh, take around, you know, if I'm carrying things like autographs and stuff like that. So, um, so I, uh, what I did was I simply uh, left that in the truck, and it was safe in there, put the pops in the trunk. And I went over to the Hyatt to get in line for a four o'clock uh, Game of Thrones panel with uh, Jack Gleason, who played King Joffrey, and Alexander Siddig, who played uh, Doran Martell. 
uh, in season five, I believe. And uh, that was a lot of fun. I didn't really know what to expect from either of them, but it was really fun back and forth, and they never really caught up with the show, so it's, it, it was really funny listening to some of the things that they talked about, and uh, they were asked about their death scenes, and uh, they were talking about, well, you know, if you could exact revenge, how would you do it, and stuff like that. And I took the chance to ask uh, Jack Gleason about what it was like working with Chris Nolan on Batman Begins, because he was the kid who uh, was sort of enamored with Batman in Batman Begins. And uh, he, it, what he said was really interesting. He said that Chris Nolan was very laid back, and for some reason that just never crossed my mind that uh, Chris Nolan would be that way. So it was, it was really interesting to hear that perspective. And uh, overall, it was a fun panel. I enjoyed that panel. All of the panels this year were fun. I'm going to talk about it a little bit later. But uh, so after that panel, I went basically across the hall and made my one uh, film festival block this year at uh, 5.30. It was science fiction, aliens in the future. I had four shorts, uh, four rather long shorts. Uh, they didn't really have too much. They didn't have any of the filmmakers there, so no uh, Q&As, unfortunately. But the, uh, the shorts were actually kind of interesting. Um, the first one was UFO Diary. It was done in the style of the old uh, World War II documentaries that uh, John Hewson, John Ford, and stuff like that, the propaganda documentaries that you would do, but also with a first footage uh, or found footage type uh, style. Uh, it was about two uh, women uh, military uh, soldiers who uh, fight off aliens in a fictionalized uh, L.A. air raid in 1942. And that was probably my favorite one of the four, just because, A, I really liked the way they handled the uh, found footage style, the documentary style. They really captured what that type of film was. And that was one of the things that I really enjoyed about it. That was, it's probably, it was easily my favorite of the four uh, films on there. The second one was The Bench. Uh, it was about two strangers, and uh, one stranger sits down, talks to the other stranger, and the conversation takes a very weird turn. And uh, it was one of those things where it's, it's a simple premise, it's well-written, it's well-performed. Probably, you know, I'd probably put third on the list of uh, films of those four. I mean, it was an interesting premise, but it was too short. Uh, so that was, that was next. Uh, the next one is Blood and Steel. It was more of a sci-fi epic. It was more of a sci-fi action epic. The visuals were really good. Uh, very dark, but nonetheless really well done. Um, the story was a bit convoluted, though, and I think a lot of what happened there was because of the fact that they shot 
it was all shot in darkness, so it was really difficult to see what exactly was going on. And that was one of those things where I, I think it really hurt the storytelling. The visuals, what I noticed, were really good as far as the visual effects, but the storytelling was lacking. Um, then the final one in this group was listeners, and <clears throat> it, it basically was sort of a Philip K. Dick-type mystery story, Sort of in the same vein of Spielberg's Minority Report, where you know it's basically about a future where uh, mind reading is you is done by devices and security is the purpose of the mind reading. It was really a compelling story. It was probably my second favorite movie of these four. It was well told story. Was well uh, developed premise. And I wanted to see more of it. And that's probably the ultimate, uh, that, that's probably, and UFO Diary was the same way. The biggest compliment about a short film is you want to see more of it. You want to see more of this story. Not because you feel like you have to, because something in the story feels missing, but because of the fact that you want to. You really want to see this fleshed out. And those were two that I really felt like, uh, I would like to see features of those. I would even if it's like 60 70 minutes I would still like to see features of those and uh see how much further those premises could be stretched. So after the film festival block I decided to go to my next favorite place to eat at Dragon Con, the Metro Cafe Diner. Again it was just me, so it was uh it was uh pretty easy to get. It was actually pretty easy to get uh um, rather quickly. So uh, I sat down, had a good meal, and then uh, after that, I went to go recharge at the uh, truck for a little bit before going back to the Hilton for... Uh, it, was it was scheduled as a two-and-a-half-hour block, but I ended up staying only an hour because I was so tired. Uh, and I happened to see... I did happen to see a couple of friends there Excuse me. And uh, it was a mystery science theater uh, sort of viewing party of some of the old short films that they did on the series, uh, bloopers, some of the old uh, skits and what have you that they did from one of the documentary filmmakers who's been helping Shout Factory uh, with the box sets over the past few years. And it was a lot of fun. It was a lot of fun to see some of this stuff. I wish I could have stayed for the whole two and a half hours because I love Mystery Science Theater. It's so much fun. Trace Boyu was there. And he introduced some of it. And it was really hilarious. Talked about uh, it was Jack Perkins and the Vault of uh, Deep 13. And Jack Perkins is the uh, character that Mike Nelson played on the Mystery Science Theater Hour, if you're familiar with that. And uh, Trace talked about the genesis of the Jack Perkins character and uh, basically went to a screen party from there. And it was just a lot of fun. It was really enjoyable. And, uh, but unfortunately, I was getting pretty tired. So after about an hour, I decided to head out and uh, go back to the hotel and just relax for... Uh, 
relax for the evening. Um, this morning, uh, the morning started off really early and really I wasn't really feeling it because uh, I, I think I only got about four hours sleep and it was really, it was really a lot of stressful stuff. It was really a lot of anxious. I was feeling a lot of anxiety and uh, I just, you know, I think I got up at like 4.30 or something. I just couldn't get back to sleep. So, uh, but my mom woke up early and uh, we got started to get ready to check out uh, this morning. And uh, basically, one of the reasons we were checking out so early is because she wanted to see a 10 a.m. panel with Captain James T. Kirk himself, William Shatner, who is here just for today. And uh, so we checked out plenty of time. Uh, we both got into the panel. We both got into, it was slant. It was such a huge, huge uh, crowd there for 10 a.m. on Monday. Like, you really have no idea how difficult it is to see 2,000 people on at Dragon Con on Monday for a panel. Uh, that's how big William Shatner is, and it's worth every ounce of waiting, every ounce of energy expounded to get to that panel, because I had seen him about five years, at the 25th uh, Dragon Con five years ago, he was my first panel, actually, that year, the uh, Friday 10 a.m. panel, and I had forgotten how much fun he is. He is so much, he is so fun, he is so lively, he is so intelligent. One of the things I am continually impressed with with Chatner is, and something I never really thought of, because I've never really been as much of a Trekkie as I have a Star Wars fan. I've watched some of the movies, I enjoy some of the movies, uh, but I've never really gotten into TV shows, and so, like, Star Trek fandom is kind of lost on me, but that panel five years ago really showed me just how, how entertaining and how interesting William Shatner really is. And I got a big reminder of that this this year too. And he it's it's great the way he's been able to parlay his fame for science fiction into a genuine interest and passion in science. And that's one of the most fascinating things. He was talking about meeting Stephen Hawking and talking to Stephen Hawking. And it was just so cool. And the He's so entertaining. He loves the fans. He loves the celebrity. He will ask he will answer questions that you throw at at him. It was just it's one of those things that it was a it was the last panel I ended up doing. Basically, what I did after that is mom and I went back to the Walk of Fame for a little bit, and then we split off. And uh, I went to the vendors one last time and got some stuff. And uh, mom went to uh, went to the Walk of Fame to get a couple more people and uh, talk to William. Try to talk to William Shatner. And unfortunately, 
Uh, she missed Jillian Anderson, who was only there yesterday, but she did go to the panel. And uh, so, and then we separately ended up just, uh, we drove back to her house and got her unpacked and settled in. And I had some of my stuff and her stuff in my truck. So uh, that was our con. And uh, that was that was our con. It's I've been really spoiled the couple of years I've had Meredith with me. I, I've been spoiled because of the fact that I love sharing that with her. Even though 2013 was not a good year, and I made a lot of mistakes in 2013 the way I shared it, but I love sharing that with her. I love spending time with Ron when we get a chance. I love doing Jay and Silent Bob with Ron. I hope Ron, please come to Dragon Con next year so we can bring back Jane Silent Bob, the real Jane Silent Bob of Dragon Con, and just really have a lot of fun with it. Um, but that being said, and the past few days have been weird for me from an emotional standpoint for a lot of reasons, but... From a con standpoint, I have to say it was in terms of the panels, in terms of the people I got to meet, in terms of the people I saw, in terms of how many people I wanted to see and saw, and just the quality of the panels in general, it is probably one of my favorite Dragon Cons I've been to, if not my favorite one. I think 2012, where I met Amber Benson, met Mike Reese from The Simpsons, and Mike Reese wanted to take a picture of Ron and I as Jane, Silent Bob. I think that probably still tops everything. Um, but even though I didn't have Ron and Meredith there, even though those parts of my life were missing, and I didn't get a chance to hang out with my friends as much as I ever do, I... Uh, <laughs> It was still from a quality of panel, from a quality of experience standpoint, in terms of the people I met, in terms of the people I saw, it was probably one of the best I've ever seen. It's probably one of the best I've ever been to. And it was just such a wonderful experience. And I, it's, it's further reason for me to continue going. And it really is. And... One of the things that I'm so glad I realized a couple of years ago where it's like, you're not going to be able to get to everything that you want to see at Dragon Con. It's just impossible. There's so many different tracks. There's so many different people who are going to be there. You have to pick judiciously. You have to be specific. You have to figure out specific people that you want to see and you have to prioritize those, but also give yourself time to breathe. And not just because of the fact that you're waiting in line for an hour or two. This was the con where I think all of that came together the strongest for me. And it's, it's you know, it doesn't mean anything, I don't think, that you know, Ron and Meredith weren't there. I don't think it means anything like that at all. That means anything to do with it at all. I missed having them there. I 
enjoy their company. I miss having my wife there. I miss my wife all weekend. Um, but it's something that I do, and I know it's something that she doesn't enjoy as much as me, but I mean, I think she genuinely had a good time last year. And I mean, she's basically talking about going every year. So that works for me. Uh, I And um, so I think that for me, this Dragon Con was another one of those moments where it's like, ah, had a eureka moment where it's like, this works. This idea of mixing and matching, of trying to not do everything, give yourself time to do what you want. That's what it boils down to. And I wish I saw more of my friends there. I wish I saw more of my friends there. Unfortunately, it's just never the case, unless you specifically plan to do it. And that being said, though, it's I, there's a reason I'll continue to go back to Dragon Con. Yes, a lot of people complain that it was a weak year as far as guests. It was a slow year as far as guests. Yes, it was. But the fact of the matter is, I got to see everybody I wanted to see who was here. I basically got to see everybody who I wanted to see was here. The only person I really messed with, missed that I kind of wanted to see was Brett Dalton from Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. And my mom raved about him. My mom raved about him, and it's like, man, I wish I had gotten to see one of those panels. But you know what? Whatever. I can live vicariously through her on that. And that's one of the things you kind of have to do to a certain extent anyway if you're going with people and they're having different experiences that you are having. And that's the great thing about Dragon Con is the fact that, yes, chances are no two people are there for the exact same reason. But they're all there to share their love of fandom. And it's like, sometimes that means cosplay. Sometimes that means multiple cosplays in multiple days. Sometimes that means partying until four in the morning, if not partying all freaking weekend long. Um, for me, it's going to panels I enjoy, going even if I've met the person before, meeting them again, seeing you know, what they're up to, hearing them talk and just really enjoying it, experiencing new films, like at the film festival block. I always, I love doing, I love, I can't believe it took me my third year going to Dragon Con to really do the film festival block. I can't believe it took that long. And uh, it's, it's something that Every experience, every year I have different experiences, and every experience of Dragon Con is different. Even though there are things I would have liked to have seen different, as terms of who I was spending it with, it was probably one of the most satisfying Dragon Cons I've been to in my eight years of going. And that is the ultimate compliment that I can give. And uh, some people are thinking, yeah, I think I'm, I don't know that I'm going to go next year. You know what? I'm going next year, and I'm going to have a hell of a good time. Uh, so thank you very much for listening. I uh, appreciate you indulging me. Uh, Dragon Con is something I enjoy. It's every Labor Day in downtown Atlanta. It's a lot of fun. 
There's usually a lot going on. Last preseason game for the Falcons. Braves might be in town. College football going on. But if you want nerdy uh, movie, TV, music, genre-inclined good time, you really cannot go wrong with Dragon Con. So that's it for this episode of the Sonic Cinema Podcast. Thank you very much for indulging me again. Uh, this is Brian Scuttle, and uh, I'll be back with a new episode uh, this coming week uh, where I will hopefully have another uh, inter filmmaker interview for you guys in uh, preparation for a video-on-demand release of their film. So thank you very much for listening, and I hope you have a good day or evening, whenever you're listening to this. Thank you.